Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road. And we got the cricket back. Well, I shouldn't say he's back because that means he would have had to leave to be back. So he never left. So uh, I think you could possibly hear him. I could hear him through the headset. So that means that the Rode NT1 microphone is picking him up loud and clear. So hopefully you don't mind that. But I want to thank you so much for getting with me today and for uh, just spending the next probably a little bit more than an hour with this guy from Cat Swamp Road. And uh, just a little uh, backstory is that I am, uh, well, I was probably, I was quite sick all week. And uh, I don't know what was the matter with me. I guess I had a, I guess it turned, it was a sinus infection, but it was terrible. I was, uh, and I'm not complaining. I mean, I'm just telling you what's going on. So I, I was basically in bed for a week. I was terribly dizzy and uh, just a lot of, I think I had a high fever, what have you. So, but thank God I'm feeling much, much better now and uh, hopefully get back on track now with pins in the map and other things that need to be done, right? And get some winners for a hot rod farmer license plate. So let us start with that. Alrighty, as far as pins in my map are concerned, I have to thank Mr. Mark, I'm going to say Poelski, Poelski from Stillwater, Stillwater, Minnesota. I can't even read my own handwriting. I'll tell you, my handwriting is getting worse. And ironically, there's a Stillwater, New Jersey, not far down the road from us. So this is Stillwater, Minnesota, though. And he's not far from the St. Croix River. So that's where I put my map in Stillwater. So thank you very much, Mr. Poelski. And I believe that he listens on Sirius XM Channel 147. And then it's then I have to thank Mike and Avon, and I'm going to pronounce it Flager, Flyger, and they're from Western Montana in Dillon, Montana. Now Mike and Avon is his 13-year-old daughter, and she's a ranch girl. She's a farm girl. She's a ranch girl, and they live up there in Dillon, Montana. And it seemed, and it is when I found the found Dylan on the map, it is in western Montana near the Wyoming and Idaho borders. So that is beautiful country. Some of the Lord's finest handiwork is in the western United States and specifically in that that corner over there. And they listen to to uh, Farm Machinery Digest Radio on Sirius XM, and they listen together, mother mother and daughter, father and daughter, forgive me, Mike and Avon, father and daughter listen together every Saturday morning, so I want to thank you so much for that, for listening, and for putting a pin in my map. The next person, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, because he gave me his proper spelling, but he told me just to call him Duck, D-U-C-K, so Duck K, I cannot pronounce his first name or his last name, but he is from Croatia. So he's getting a pin in the map and he is getting a uh, hot, entering the contest to win a hot rod farmer license plate. He gave me the name of his town. He did everything he is supposed to, and he writes, he writes 
beautifully, his English is beautiful, but his name is a Croatian name, which I think will has some Ukrainian or Slovak uh, uh, heritage to it. Because he said to me, well, Bohak's, Bohach, he said, Bohach, he said properly. He wrote it phonetically. He says, that means rich man. And it, it is supposed to what it means in Ukrainian. My last name is supposed to mean rich man. But <clears throat> like I tell, like I told him and told everybody else that there must have been a hole in the hull of the ship when it came over to the United States because there was certainly no riches, but we, my family was blessed to be able to come through Ellis Island and to be in the United States. So yes, are we rich? Am I rich? I am rich in the ways that the world may not consider rich, but I am a blessed man for living in America, for having all the blessings that the Lord has bestowed upon me. So, so Duck K., and I am going to I thank you for the pin in my map, the first in Croatia. And then I need to thank Mr. Dan Ayers, and he's from Warner, Warner Robins, Georgia. <clears throat> I did a show a couple of weeks ago with him with the TPI, TPI, but I neglected to give him a pin in the map. So I got so focused on that show that I neglected to do that. So he's from Warner Robins, Georgia, which is south of Atlanta and like almost the part of the way, not near the coast, inland from the coast. So it's like, uh, like I'm not going to say in the middle, but I guess if you were to use Atlanta, Florida, and the coast as your three points, then you would say he's in the middle of that. And then I have to give a shout out to Mr. Robert Spulak. I'm going to pronounce it Spulak. And he listens on Sirius XM also because he uh, sent me a note about a show I did and had some questions. And I believe he wanted a pin in my map, did a chance to win a hot rod formal license plate, but he did not tell me where he listens from. So if you happen to be missed listening to the podcast, and I'll announce this on the radio show also, that Mr. Sp- I'm going to pronounce it Spulak, and uh, <clears throat> he is... Uh, from places currently unknown. But we also have two winners. We're getting back into the winners. So I need Mr. Brian Sanson from Chittenago, New York, and to reach out to me and Mr. Tim, either Coach or Koch. I don't know exactly how he pronounces it. And uh, some people pronounce it Koch. There used to be a Mayor Koch in New York City, but I know the fertilizer company is spelled the same way, and they pronounce it Coke. And so, Mr. Tim Coke or Koch from Sterling, Virginia, I need you to reach out to me. So, Mr. Sanson from Chittenango, New York, and Mr. Coach or Koch from Sterling, Virginia, please reach out to me, and I will because you are both winners of Hot Rod Farmer license plates. And I'm going to have to take some inventory in that and order some more, because it took quite a while to get the first batch of them. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I believe that I am running very, very low. And uh, But back then when I ordered, everything was supply chain issues. So let's not even go from there. <clears throat> and I'm just going to put the drag straw on this early on and get a drink of water. Yeah, righty, I'm back. <clears throat> I like I, <clears throat> my throat will probably be worse than than usual, which means it's pretty bad because this is the first day that I'm feeling uh, a, 
quite a bit better, thank God. Uh, the past couple of days, that if you told me there was a million dollars out by the mailbox, I was I couldn't get out of bed to get it. So what I am going to do today, and I'm going to ask you to uh, entertain me with it, and, and hopefully that you like it, but it's not going to be an educational show. And a little bit of backstory is that October 25th will be the four-year anniversary of Idle Chatter. And uh, so so that's be coming up in the next couple of weeks. I don't know if I didn't look at the calendar, see what day that falls. But that's when this whole journey started. And when I started Idle Chatter, as and some of you have been with me for either that whole journey or almost all of it, and I want to thank you so much. And if you jumped on after that, well, I want to thank you so much for doing that. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, the whole mission statement was for me to be able to have a transfer of knowledge to those in the agricultural community about their machinery and equipment and provide information and an education that they could not get anywhere else. But I also wanted to have that education delivered in an entertaining format and not be not be boring and not be bland and uh, very dry. So I wanted to be able to hopefully try to deliver that with some sort of, and what I mean entertainment, I don't mean, you know, having a, <laughs> me doing a, singing a song or having a, you know, playing an instrument, but just to, to do it in a fun, engaging way. And, and hopefully, God willing, I'm able to accomplish that. But that is my sincere goal. But then as time went on, and I started to do the short shows, doing the On the Road podcast and the radio show, what I've come to recognize, and I want to thank all of you for that, is I want to, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for you, for you, my audience. Because as I always say, we're in this together. But what I have learned from back in October 25th of 2018 was that there is so much more depth to my audience than just machinery or engines or cars or, or tractors or combines or what have you, is that there is, the, the, I, I am so grateful and thankful for the depth in the character of, of the audience. And because of that, you have given me a great deal of latitude, and I am so thankful for that, to discuss other things and to discuss life and to discuss God and patriotism and, and animals and all the other things mixed in with the education about machinery and engines. And because of that depth, and you've exposed me to that depth and you showed me that depth with your communications, with your emails, with the pictures you sent me, the stories you've told me about your life, your farm, your background. And uh, that's, I never, in my wildest dreams, I never had thought that idle chatter would turn into that. I never wanted to lose its focus, all right? But that latitude that you have given me has been such a blessing. And, and you've been able to show me, like I said, the people that you are. And from all around the world. And uh, I mean, obviously, predominantly from North America, but from all around the world. And because of that, you have made this show into something way beyond what I originally intended it to be. 
And I basically, to tell you the truth, I wanted to be a, 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 a better, and I say this respectfully because they're friends of mine, I wanted to be a better version of Ag PhD because the, the Hefty brothers have done a wonderful job of educating the farmers and ranchers, but I'll say predominantly farmers because they talk about agronomy. And even though there's agronomy and ranching, right, pastures and what have you, but specifically about row crops that no one else has done. And I've learned a lot from them. But if I, but their show is, is wonderful. I'm not going to critique it, but uh, I'm a different person than Brian and Darren Hefty. And we are all different people, not saying better or worse, but just different. And I wanted to bring a little bit more of a personal side into idle chatter. And you have allowed me to do that. So, what today's episode is going to be called is, well, let me get my thoughts here. I made some notes here, and I'm calling it an ode to the past. And I'm not, and I do not mean the past four years since I've been doing this show, which is hard to believe, but I mean the past in calendar years, and the, just the, the past. And what really saddens me is that. The young people today are growing up in such a different world than I and many of you listening was blessed to grow up in, and in such a different country, in such a different time than than many of us were blessed to grow up in. And because of that, those of us who have grown up in a different era have the ability to turn our head, I'll say, to the left and see one thing, turn our head to the right and see another thing. And I'm not going to say that everything is bad today, by no means that it isn't. But you know I'm an introspective person, and what I've basically done is I want to talk about an eclectic uh, eclectic variety of things, not just machinery, not just farming, not just cars, but how things were so much better to my way of thinking, and you could choose to disagree with it, that's obviously, and I will definitely definitely enjoy hearing your thoughts on it whether you agree or disagree so i could learn more about you and my audience but looking back at the past because lots of times we try to kid ourselves that the world is better today and things are better today yes there's many medical advancements today i'm not going to deny that whereas you know 40 50 60 years ago that that if you got cancer for most part it was a death sentence that if you had some sort of heart ailment, for the most part, it was a death sentence. And there are so many other things. So the medical advancements have gone, have gone forward dramatically by God's grace. And it's yes, it's not science, it's God's grace. But also there's been a price to pay for that. And uh, the medical, even though the science is there, the medical care, nobody has a, I shouldn't say no one, but the, the family doctor, the doctors, the, the, the house visit of the doctor, the relationship with the doctor has gone astray. So that's not what I'm here to talk about. But what I did do is make a list before I started the show. And I'll be quite honest with you, the list is probably way, way too long. So hopefully you're in a combine and you're harvesting a bountiful crop or you're bringing grain to the elevator, you're doing something else, some other work that you're doing, and you could listen. But these are my thoughts, 
and my ode to the past. And I have them as line item format. And then what I will do is I will um, I will expand upon them slightly and not going to make it gone with the wind. I will be mindful of the time on the soundboard. But I ask you also to consider these things and think about them. And then if you would be kind enough to reach out to me at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and if you are old enough, all right, and what I mean old enough <clears throat> is that you probably have to be at least in your 40s. If you're in your 20s and you're listening, I, I am so, so honored by that, but you don't have the mileage under your belt. Remember the past. The past, you, you were just born when the World Trade Center was attacked, and that's not your fault. It's just like I was not born, I could not understand what it was like to live during World War II. So what I'm trying to do is list, or I'm going to do is list societal things that have nothing to do with a war or, or, or anything like that. And uh, so we'll see. We'll go from there. <clears throat> and, uh, I'm, and I want to thank you so much for entertaining this with me. All righty. So what I'm first going to start on, like I said, this is eclectic. It's all over the map. And if you're listening to my show, then you know my heart. You know my heart for the Lord. You know my heart for America. You know my heart for animals. You know my heart for agriculture, for machinery. All right, so it's all over the map. So, and with no particular order, so I'm going to bounce around here. So the first thing I have in my list is I an ode to the past of respect and manners, and today, you know, the world is not about you. And so many people today, and of all ages, think the world is about them. The world is much, much larger than you. And is it decided over the past 30 or 40 years, a decided decay in, in just respect, respect for each other, respect for society, respect for elderly people, respect, just respect in, in all ways. And people think that the world is about them today. Growing up, and I'm not going to say that, that the world was perfect and it was this utopia back years ago, but it certainly was dramatically different than it is today. And though there was always selfish, selfish people and jerky people, but there was a, I, I see young people today, th th nobody knows how to hold a door for someone. They don't know how to, it's, as, as young boys, as, as young men, uh, and all of my friends, and I mean, I'm not saying we were angels, all right, but there was a respect. There was a respect and and we never, ever thought that the world was about us. But so many people today think the world is about them and they're raising up their children. My wife is a kindergarten teacher to think that the world is all about them, what they want, and that is it. So that's, so I, so that's something that uh, is, is definitely bygone respect. Next thing, white tailpipes. And anybody like my friend Gene or anybody else that knows me from years ago, you can say, what the heck is a white tailpipe? Well, growing up, my father taught me that when you have a car, when you have, well, leaded gas, there was nothing but leaded gas. And if you have the carburetor tuned perfectly, 
all right? We didn't have air fuel meters. We didn't have electronics. We had a tack and dwell meter. And my father showed me how to adjust the, adjust the carburetor. And you had to make love to the engine. You didn't go, er, 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 and turn the screw quickly. You had to make love to it. And you had to balance out everything. And you were adjusting the mixture on the carburetor, right? When you And my father always taught me that a slow and low idle and a white tailpipe and when when you had an engine that was tuned beautifully whether it was on a farm tractor or not we had an old oliver row crop 70 <clears throat> with a continental engine when we had that thing tuned up and as a, it was beautiful i'd be plow, i'd be plowing with it or i'd be pulling pulling a disc harrow and i, I had to stand up because it had a upright a horror i mean a vertical exhaust but i was a little kid i'd stand up on it if i was i was agile back then stand up and look in that tailpipe and say dad dad look it's snow white inside and and when you went on a long highway trip with a car you'd have like that if the carburetor was tuned properly that's the white would actually curl around the edge of the tailpipe fantastic with with the advent of unleaded gas and catalytic converters and all of that there's no more white tailpipes <clears throat> but a white tailpipe and i was a young kid and i used to walk around a parking lot and look look at that tailpipe oh well, that carburetor needs to be adjusted that one is not that good over there look how white that one is and i'm as crazy as it seems <laughs> all right but you got to know me right i mean i remember specifically some extremely white tailpipes i've seen and one was on an amc hornet another one was on a ford maverick and my and my buddy glenn nadell if you listen to the on the road podcast with gene worst i mentioned him he had a 71 buick skylark and i set up the car i'm not taking any credit for it because that raw chester 2g who's a great carburetor and that tailpipe was so white all the time so i miss white tailpipes i miss serving america with pride and if you and i was not blessed to be able to be in the military because of my eyesight i'm nearsighted in one eye and farsighted in the other i'm legally blind but that does not mean that you cannot serve america you may not have served america with a uniform which is the highest of honor but to serve america by being a patriotic citizen a good citizen uh, to to love your country with pride to put the benefit of your country above yourself all right so i miss serving america with pride on the same theme i miss prayer in school and in public that years ago you'd go to a public meeting a town meeting a school board meeting it would be open up with prayer and and today forget about it all right you'd have you look at what's happening in our society in our streets in our schools and shootings and everything everybody's oh it's the gun manufacturer let's sue them oh it's the guy who made the bullets oh my god all right it's the guy who made the kitchen knife because a kid brought a knife into school and tried to stab somebody let's go let's go after them no it's the lack of prayer and a lack of our connection to, to the lord and what i mean when i say prayer prayer to our lord and savior jesus christ because you could go and say well god bless america i'm going to pray and you could be you god who knows who you're praying to so when i'm saying that that i miss prayer in our schools and our public forums it is prayers to our lord and savior jesus christ the next thing i miss 
are American or Canadian-made products, cars, tractors, refrigerators, telephones, cameras, TVs, all right, from American companies. When I grew up, you could not find anything but American slash Canadian-made things. So I remember the radio in my 68 Dodge Dart was a Canadian-made Motorola. And the reason why I know is because I had to take it out. It was it was years old, and I think the switch or something went bad, or a light, the light, oh, something happened to it, I had to get it fixed, all right? And back then, which I'm going to get to, you were able to fix things. So I am an American, all right? I have a lot of listeners that are Canadians, we take pride in the products of our country and i have listeners around the world so and i always say this you should take pride in the products of your country and i'm not a, a you know a honda made in ohio all right i want an american made product from an american company made in usa with american technology and american know-how all right the sr71 the lockheed skunk works the st louis arch all of those things i want them I want the pride of owning an American-made product, and I miss that. And I don't want to try to convince myself that it's American, that it's got a that says Ford on it, it's made in Mexico, or it's got or it says Buick on it, it's made in Korea. So I miss that. All right. I miss making a living on a 50-acre farm. In the post-world, well, I should say post-world war II, or probably just around actually, if you look at the history of a tractor like the Ford 9N, which we still have. We have a 1940 version of it. That whole tractor and that series of small tractors was based upon a 50-acre farm. And in the post-World War II era, it was... Every all the machinery and the equipment was was based upon somebody. I shouldn't say everything because there was obviously larger farms back then, but a fifty-acre farm. But back years ago, right here in Warren County, New Jersey, where I hail from, you could have made a living on a fifty-acre farm. Some people had two hundred acres, but you could have made a living on a fifty-acre farm. Today, you got five thousand acres, and you're practically going broke. So what happened? Where did the train go off the track? I have no idea. But I definitely miss making a uh, the idea of making a living on a 50-acre farm. And I also miss the idea of the so many dairy farms are disappearing. When my when my sister went to school in Kansas City at Kansas Medical University, I remember going out there and in, a, in my 68 Dodge Dart and riding through Iowa. Riding, it was fantastic. Go, We took 80 out there and down Interstate 35 to Des Moines. And almost every farm that you went by had a harvest store. They, there, was some, there was some livestock there. There were some dairy cows there. Almost everybody had some dairy cows. And, and today you go by and, and Warren County was a dairy country. This was all dairy country. But getting back to, to getting back on track, what happened to making a living on a 50-acre farm? All right. The next thing is that I miss are carburetors and breaker points. As... <clears throat> my father used to say, we won World War II with carburetors and, a break up, and breaker points because predominantly 
all of the engines that we had were gasoline, were spark ignition, all right? And the aircraft engines were carburetors and breaker points. Granted, they may have had a magneto, but they had a but breaker points were running the magneto. And for you to get intimate with something today, and I'm not saying I'm advanced against fuel injection, electronic ignition, but you could look down a carburetor and see it working. You could take the distributor cap off and you could turn. Back to years ago, they used to sell a clear plastic, I think Mr. Gasket sold it, a clear plastic distributor cap. Obviously, it was it was for car engines. <clears throat> Excuse me. You couldn't get one for a John Deere M series, all right? But you could get a plastic distributor cap and you could see the rotor turning. You could see the, sp- the breaker points opening and closing. You could see the arc at night. You could see the arc jumping from the rotor gap. That gave you such knowledge. It gave you such a familiarity. And the idea of a breaker, the simplicity of breaker points and a carburetor, I truly miss. And setting the choke, and setting the, whether it was a hand choke or an automatic choke to cold start the engine, fantastic. And where did, those, where did that go? All right, the next thing on my list is guys that look like guys and girls that look like girls and also act like them and dress like them. I don't care who, you know me, I don't care whose toes I'm stepping on, but, you know, I mean, I see some of this, this stuff today. I, I don't, I, I'm glad I'm not young, all right? <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. But back then, a guy looked like a guy, a girl looked like a girl, a, 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 a guy or a man dressed like a man, a young man dressed like a guy, all right? A girl knew how to wear a dress. She knew how to wear high heels. She knew how to she knew how to look feminine. She knew how to act feminine. A guy knew how to look masculine. Today, I don't know what it is. And my uncle Chris, which some of you may have heard of, all right, he's long passed away. He used to say, and this was back in the seventies. He said, "In fifty years, there'll be no male or female. It'll be all the same." And he was so prophetic, because in nineteen seventies, you put it to the fifties. It's a twenty in the twenty twenties, and that's where we are. I mean, it's it's a rarity. I'm not going to say that you're not going to find anyone. And a lot of things I'm talking about may not apply to someone living in a small town in Montana or Nebraska or in the Canadian prairies or what have you. But collectively, what happened to guys looking and acting like guys and girls looking and acting? uh, that Today they call it toxic masculinity, right? Oh, toxic masculinity. Well, toxic masculinity is what made this country toxic masculinity is what won world war ii won the korean war toxic masculinity is what 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 slogged it out in vietnam all right and and uh came home to some hippies spitting in their face all right that's toxic masculinity built this country and what happened and femininity the blessing of femininity is what holds the world together what happened to the saying the mother that the, the the hand that rocks the cradle rocks the world all right the, femininity and a woman is the most wonderful thing in the world it's a wonderful gift that god has given the world and given mankind all right so it's toxic masculinity and if well if masculinity is toxic then i don't know what these people want to talk about today because the women want to be men and the men want to be women so who knows but but I'm old school, all right, and the the hand that rocks the cradle rocks the world. So 
that's it. What more can I say? All right. All right. Next on my my list over here is that the wonder and hope of the future. When and I'm only going to go by myself, but if but you know, growing up, all of my my friends, no matter no matter what they were, all right, we had a wonder and we had a hope for the future of our lives, and girls had a wonder and a hope yes maybe it was different than a than a guy's was but there was nothing wrong with that they should be different all right and there's nothing wrong with a woman having a career my wife has a career but she chose to have a career and not a family all right she didn't try to do both but the but the, even everything that you read, you read magazines, you listened to songs, you you read books. It was the, it was this undercurrent of the of wonder and hope in the future, and now that that's completely gone. All right, I it's very unusual for you to find a young person or a person that's even older that looks to the future with hope and wonderment that we did we couldn't we, it was so exciting we couldn't wait to get out in the world and to make something of ourselves and to participate in society and participate in the world and it was a fantastic time that sadly the young people of today do not know and, and people that are even not even that young today if they grew up then they and they grew up 20 years after i grew up and they're in their 30s late 30s a lot of them missed all of this sadly okay the next on my list is advertising that speaks to the heart if you you look at ads today I mean, it's crazy i mean you don't even know what the heck they're talking about but if if you have the opportunity and if you're a younger person and even though i am saying using it using the internet <clears throat> which i'm going to discuss but Look at old magazines. Go look at, I don't care what kind of magazine, whether it was a car magazine, a farm magazine, popular mechanics, a golf magazine, whatever it was, Life magazine, Time magazine, U.S. News and World Reports, all right, the Saturday Evening Post. Look at, if you look at those ads, they they gave you, a, a, they spoke to your heart. Today you look at these ads, I don't even know what the heck is going on. I, I send my files for my radio show to, to Sirius XM and to Sue Moore, the podcast, I use a, a something called WeTransfer. I really don't understand it. But while you're sitting there transferring it, it puts these ads up. They're so bizarre. I mean, if back in the 60s, you'd say the person was on an LSD trip or something. I mean, I have no idea what they're talking about, but there, there was the, the old ads gave you a sense of pride, gave you a sense of accomplishment. There was a sense of accomplishment to get a new farm track. There was a sense of pride to get a new car. There was a sense of accomplishment and pride to get a, a Zenith or Motorola, T, whatever, or a Craftsman wrench or something. And today, I don't even know what it's about. There's not an ad that I've seen out there that that moves me, let alone let alone having any idea of what it is talking about. And create, it's almost as, the more ridiculous it could be, the more the more they like it. So, unbelievable. All right. The next thing is the television going off the air at a certain time, whether it's midnight or 1 a.m., and then the national anthem playing. All right. You know, 
The TV wasn't on 24 hours a day. I don't mean on in your house. But at a certain time, the TV went off. If you lived in a town, the street lights went off and everything went off. All right? Stores were closed on Sunday. I've said this before. I mean, in Hackettstown, the loudest thing on a Sunday was the clicking of the one stoplight that we had. All right? Everything was closed. But the TV went off the air. Now we went into this 24-7 cycle of 10 million channels. And we only had a couple of channels. All right, but the TV and I remember the first time as a young kid that you stayed up for whatever the dynamics were. You either came home from from some place, and and you were able to see the television go off the air, and they would put up what they call a test pattern. If you don't know what a test pattern looks like, you could probably Google it and see. And that was it. That it went off the air. The national anthem played, and it went off the air. All right, not this. Forget about it. Okay. The next thing is when a man's word was his bond. All right. You there and specifically in agriculture, there's so many people that have done business for 30, 40, 50 years on a, on a man's word and a handshake. And it's another thing I'm going to talk about that's a that's uh right next. But you gave your man you gave a man your word that was it that was engraved in stone no matter what changed in your life you you kept your word and today we look at a person's word means absolutely i'm not going to say for everyone but i like to do and i have to really really have to give my give kudos to is that yes i have a contract with sirius xm rural radio channel 147 patrick gotcha's station and the contract the contract that they gave me is so simplistic and to tell you the truth we never even bothered to renew it that doesn't mean taking me off the air but we did it on a we did it on a handshake when i when i spoke to them over the telephone i said they said look we're going to send you mail you the contract and uh and you look it over said if you want to bring it to a lawyer you could bring it to a lawyer and they said but you really don't need to there's nothing there and uh do what you want and i said to 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 rick Patton over the telephone who's the one i that i made the arrangement i'm not even gonna say the deal it was an arrangement it was a it was a bond it was a it would be we, we joined forces i said i'm putting my hand out you're on the telephone and i'm putting my hand out to shake your hand and there's so many people in agriculture especially i mean i've heard so many stories of custom harvesters coming out west to wheat to wheat farms and them harvesting on a handshake for you know, the family says yeah we've been harvesting with this with the with this fa- other family for 40 50 60 years obviously it's not the same people driving the combine or driving the tractor and planting the wheat and they do it on a handshake where did the handshake that a words man words a man's word was his bond my father taught me that you are only as good as your word and that's why when someone reaches out to me i make sure i get back to them and sadly people reach out to me and i'm not being judgmental and they ask me a question i get back to them and they never acknowledge it so but that let that be on them not on me the next thing is a handshake you know in my era you were taught that you shake a man's hand firmly 
all right? And you look them right in the eye when you shake a man's hand. And when you meet someone, you greet them the first greeting from a man to a man. But this gets back to this toxic masculinity, right? Is that you shake a man's hand. You say, hello, my name is Ray. Or, hi, Joe, how are you? Good to see you today. You know, how is everything? And you shake a man's hand. Today, for the most part, and I'm, I'm putting that caveat to everything because I know that I, you know, the audience that I'm speaking to, a lot of this doesn't hold true because you're outside the norm being rural, right? And a lot of these are majority, or almost all of these old school values hold, hold true yet. But that is not, the, but in the United States, a very small part, there's a large percentage of America is rural, I think 70%, but only a small percentage of the population is rural. A young person today, you go up to a young man and you go to, you put your hand out to a young boy over at the farm stand to shake his hand, he has no idea what you're doing. And the parents don't know what you're doing. So unbelievable. I mean, we have little kids come to the farm stand if I'm there and they're looking at the track and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Ray, all right? Then uh, and shake their hand. And I shouldn't even say that. I should say I'm Mr. Bohax. But that, like I said, this list could go on for 500 years. All right? So a handshake. Does a young man know how to shake a man's hand that that's appropriate greeting? All right? Greasable front ends. As crazy as that is, but years ago, every car, every tractor, every farm truck had a greasable front end. Every pivot point was greasable, all right? And it was your job to grease it. It was your job to grease the hay wagon, all right? You look at people towing a hay wagon down the road. If that thing is going all over the place like a like a, like a ticked-off rattlesnake, all right, you know that that thing hasn't seen a grease gun for 50 years, all right? The thing is that greasable front end you know you get in harmony with something you grease it because back then it was meant to last all right the past 30 40 50 years you can't find the greasable front end all right you can't find greasable joints a grease gun all right is a, is 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 becoming a thing of the past so i miss a greasable front end repairable parts and i don't care whether it's a car whether it's a refrigerator whether it's a farm tractor whether it's a disc carol i'll tell you a little story is that we had a neighbor gladys jenkins and it's a sad story for her because she was a she was a young girl and well young girl many many years ago she probably would be 110 or 120 years old now and she she married an older man and this was during World War II, and she was only married for a few weeks. And she went, and he went off to war, and he did not come home. So after being married for a few weeks, she became a widow, of, of a of a of, as a young girl that was probably ten or fifteen years younger than her husband. And I'm not, and this story always stuck with me because my parents told me it. And she was always Mrs. Jenkins. 
you called people by their Mr. or Mrs. I don't care. I meet somebody today. And I'm not saying I'm a standard to judge people by, but I am a standard of old school from the old education. So I meet somebody and I, and then, yes, and uh, even though they may be younger than me, if I have a relationship with a, a business relationship, a friendship with the husband, and their last name is Ford, so like Steve Ford, then I meet his wife first time, first time I say, hello, Mrs. Ford, and then it's her place to say, call me Mary. All right, but anyway, but Mrs. Jenkins never remarried, and I'm not critiquing someone who remarries, but she was so much in love with her husband, she never, ever remarried. All right, she she worked as a secretary in a company, and she always bought Chrysler products because her husband bought Chrysler products before he died. So in 1968, she bought a new Dodge Dart, Dodge Dart 270 uh, green, custom, you know, it was top of the line with a 225 slant six and factory air conditioning. Well, in 19, so I remember the day that she brought that Dodge Dart home. And my father and I went to go look at it. And I was a little kid, little boy, I mean, little, little boy. And I remember him opening the hood and looking at the engine. And my father saying, well, it's too much. And he didn't say it's in front of Mrs. Jenkins, said to me, too much crap under that hood, Butchie. Well, and he said, look at that. You can't even rebuild the fuel pump. My father grew up in an era and we had on the farm track that we had everything, that you were able to buy a diaphragm, a diaphragm kit and rebuild a mechanical fuel pump. And when he and on that slant six, you look down and the fuel pump was right there next to the distributor. And it had it had you know uh it had the stamped steel fuel pump and I'm, what's the word? I'm not looking for peened over, rolled over edges that sealed it. I said, look at that, you can't even rebuild the fuel pump anymore. All right but I miss rebuildable parts. So in other words, and you rebuilt stuff. You were able to get a carburetor kit. You got you got a bushing kit. I mean, if you needed something for the refrigerator, you were able to get a thermostat for it. You, not just a whole module made in China. You were able to fix things and rebuild things. And the same thing, I mean, we had an old disc arrows on the farm and they had leather bearings. You were able to go into town and go to the implement dealer. We used to go to Ryman in Washington, New Jersey, and you would be able to buy the leather and cut it to size. I guess it was a special leather wide enough and <clears throat> to make a bearing and then the and then you would put you would put oil on it you would oil it it wasn't greased you would put oil on the bearing there was an oil hole and you'd have it have a dust cap that flipped over and it was my job as a six or seven year old boy to go out and to oil all the dust caps all right all the all the oil joints on this carol and keep those leather bearings leather bearings uh lubricated for lack of better terms but today it's throw it away throw it away society throw away everything right throw away your marriage throw away your kids and get divorced throw away everything and then so and it all started there okay next thing is now this is coming from a guy that has a show on Sirius XM all right so (laughs) so and uh, like I said I'm grateful for it but I miss AM radio and AM bounce. And each each year, 
the cars, the vehicles, the farm track. A lot of them don't even have AM radios anymore. And the quality of the AM radio went down, downhill. And my earliest recollection is when we bought Gladys Jenkins' 1968 Dodge Dart. It was already old with the Canadian-made Motorola radio. And I used to love, and I actually did a blog post on it. Uh, I think it was called Signal Bounce. That AM radio in that old Dodge tuned in at night that AM signal would bounce. I go under, under a tree-line road, all right, with my Sirius XM. And like I said, here it is. I'm a guy who have, and I'm, I'm blessed to have a show on Sirius XM. So I'm not critiquing that. It's, and, it, and, and the signal drops out, all right? That old AM radio, you get bounce. <laughs> forget about it. When the sun went down, all right, and it got dark, that AM bounce. I used to, not clearly, but sometimes you'd, you'd get a station from the West Coast here in New Jersey. And I used to love going out at night and riding around and had a thumb wheel tuner, all right, and be able to tune that. And you'd want to listen for an ad or listen for a sports game to find out where you were getting from. But AM radio, I remember I worked for BMW as a contract engineer, and there was a guy, Hans, who worked for Motorola. And he he was an American guy. He was an electrical engineer. He went to school. He was in the Navy. <clears throat> and he was the one who told me about Sirius XM. And he says to me, oh, Ray, it's going to use your buy stock in it. Little did I know <clears throat> that 20 years later I'd have a show on it. I'm just going to get a drink of water. I'm, my throat is going away, but I'm not going to uh, put on a drag stuff. <clears throat> All right, thank you. <clears throat> and he said, it's going to be this wonderful thing. I said, well, Hans, what the heck is serious? He said, satellite radio. You could listen to the same radio station all the way across country. So I said to him, why? And I remember specifically standing in the engineering department. I said, why in God's name would I want to do that? Because I loved, because I was always a traveler. I wanted to listen to either AM or FM, local radio. I wanted to hear the local news. I wanted to hear the local ads. I wanted to hear what's happening local. I don't want to hear the same radio station from Hackettstown to California, but so be it. But AM radio, quality AM radio is really what I miss and and having music on AM, and having talk on AM, and having signal bounce and clarity. I mean, back then you could tell that Ford was really, really a, in the 60s and 70s, really a rural-based company. Their market was, because they used to, they were the only ones that offered an AM radio with an eight-track tape player in it. GM and Chrysler, you had to get AM, FM to get an 8-track tape player. You couldn't just get AM. So they had an AM radio as an option with a stereo 8-track tape player. So, all right? The next thing on the list is I miss magazines and real newspapers. And people say the internet took magazines away. No one took magazines away. And I'm going to use a word, a little bit of a not a nice word, crappy writing and crappy writing by people who just went to school and got a, a, a journalism degree and had no idea what the heck they were talking about and they took the passion out of it. All right, any magazine that you read years ago, and I I was a magazine-aholic. When, when Charlotte met my mother for the first time, I said met my wife, met my mother for the first time, all right, my mother took her over to the side 
and she told her that he will love you, he will be a wonderful husband, but you have to know two things about him before you go any further. And she says, you may not even want to marry him, but I'm telling you that, and I'm I'm saying this humbly, and she said that he will spray the mirror when he brushes his teeth, and the house will be full of all different magazines, car magazines, farm magazines, popular mechanics, news magazines, and then she also yelled at me because she said, well, actually, that was that day. That was right when she met Charles for the first time. Later on, she yelled at me. Uh, 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 I guess, maybe, I don't know how long it was. And she said to Charles, says, why are you wearing shorts? It's such a cold day today, right? And she said, she says, she says, your son likes to see me in shorts. Well, when I walked out of the kitchen, my mom was waiting for me. And did she lamb based me? She says, you want the girl to wear shorts because you like to see her in shorts and you don't care how cold it is? She says, don't you ever do that again. And she says, you better shave every time you pick her up because you don't know what it's like to have a rough face kissing you. You want to kiss the girl when it didn't shave that day and you wanted to wear, oh, she lamb based <laughs> me for like five minutes but magazines with passion magazines that you could learn something from not crazy jerky stupid things and people blame the internet it's not the internet the internet is full of crappy writing and the magazines are full of ended up being full of crappy writing and that's why they uh, they disappeared all right okay no pronouns as i told you before in the past the only social media site that i am on is linkedin and you get all these people he whatever she she her i don't even know he him his if you don't know what you are if i can't tell what you are then that's your problem all right you know we didn't need pronouns to know what a girl was a girl didn't need pronouns to know what a guy was all right the thing is that i don't know where this stuff came from all right but it's absolutely disgusting pronouns <laughs> I, I forget about it all right you know audie murphy didn't need a pronoun for you to know that he was a war hero a guy who came home from war a guy a, a housewife didn't know a pro i need a pronoun to forget we'll leave it at that okay repackable wheel bearings all right today you can't there's no repackable wheel bearings i want to be able to repack my wheel bearings i want to be able to take the bearing in my hand i want to i want to hand pack it with grease or use a bearing packer i want to inspect the rollers i want to inspect the cage i want to inspect the race all right that was a rite of passage of somebody who worked on machinery to be able to have repackable wheel bearings right four-wheel drum brakes on vehicles all right i don't care you can have all your abs five piston disc brakes what have you nothing felt as secure and as firm as stepping on a drum brake a hydraulic drum brake system with four drums that were true the proper friction material shoes and adjusted properly there there was that solid feel of confidence that minimal travel for you to apply the brakes that the best the brembo brakes the best brembo brakes cannot give you that feel so i miss four-wheel drum brake systems all right uh 
skinny tires. <laughs> all right, you know, all of these cars today, they have these wide, wide steamroller tires. They stink in the snow. You can't go anyplace. I mean, years ago, when my wife got her ZX2 when I bought it for her, and I put snow tires on it. The car didn't have fat tires from the factory. Put the proper size snow tires. She had a principal that had a brand new at the time, same year, whatever, Toyota Highland. There was some kind of sport version with these wide tires. The school parking lot was icy, all right? The principal couldn't get out of this Toyota's there spinning all four tires. My wife's little Ford Escort with the snow tires on it, Charlotte started up and she drove right out and she didn't even spin a tire. When I was commuting to my shop, you'd see these people on Route 80 in the snowstorm with the BMWs, with the with the, the Lexuses, with American cars too. You have some of these Cadillacs with, with predominantly was the foreign cars back then, with these white tires. I had a 77 Aspen with Goodyear F32S snow tires on the back. Why did I buy F32Ss? Because they were the best rated snow tire by the Michigan Highway Patrol, all right? I had the the 77 Aspen. The whole thing was rotted out. I couldn't put anything in the... <laughs> The A904 and Talk Flight, the thing ran beautifully. There was nothing left of the body. I remember it was a terrible winter. I, ice on Route 80 with two inches of water standing on it, right? All right, these people with these SUVs with these four wide tires and they're spinning, throwing water up in the air. The Aspen never even broke a tire loose. Plus, I knew how to drive it. Uh, Forget about skinny tires. Bring back skinny tires, all right, for a road vehicle. Uh, you look at an old Model T Ford. An old Model T Ford will go where a, a, the, the uh, $200,000 Lamborghini SUV, Hummer, whatever you want to call it, will not go. All right, skinny tires. All right, uh, <clears throat> muscle tractors with an open platform. In the 1960s and 1970s, akin to the muscle car era, there were muscle tractors. And these were high horsepower tractors, all right, with, with lots of times dual rear wheels, and they had an open station or open platform. I have an open station tractor. I love it. Now, somebody's listening to me and they're saying, you're, you're just, you know, I mean, you're living in a pipe dream, hot rod, because, you know, we're farming a lot of acres and, and I got the air conditioning, got the heat, and that's all really nice. I'm not going to say it's not. But there was something about being outside, being on a, having that muscle tractor, having an open station tractor and smelling that soil, all right, when you tilled it, and being one with nature being one with your crop not looking through being right it's just a wonderful wonderful thing and i think the epitome the high water mark of farm tractors was the era with the muscle tractors so let me try to get moving with this because we're almost an hour and i'm not even halfway through the list okay the next thing that i miss is the truth being the truth no matter what you want it to be all right, and I always tell people, 
Tell me the truth, not what I want to hear. In today's society, let's rewrite the history books. Let's rewrite this. Let's rewrite that. All right, the, what, the truth, and they say, the truth is living and breathing. What is the truth to you is not the truth to me. Well, that's malarkey. All right, the truth is the truth regardless of what it is. If the connecting rod is through the block, it's the connecting rod through the block. I'm not going to sit there and go, hmm, and the connecting rod is not through the block, have positive feelings. And we're doing that to this country. I don't know if it's happening in other places of the world. I know it's happening in Canada. That we want to rewrite history. We want to rewrite everything. The truth is the truth, whatever it is. All right? Signs only in English. Never before did we have signs in Spanish, in other languages, and what have you. My family came from the Ukraine all right, which today is like, oh, we're from Ukraine because of the war. I'm American, all right? All right, my grandparents came from the Ukraine. No one expected to have a sign in in Ukrainian. No one expected to have a sign in Chinese. There's a neighborhood in Queens where if you listen to the On the Road podcast for a very short time, my life lived there, and it be, all the signs are in Chinese. You couldn't even find, if, if you couldn't read Chinese, you could not figure out what's going on. If in, in New Jersey, you could take the driver's test in like 40-something different languages. Well, if you can't read and write English, and I'm not saying that you don't speak your native tongue where you are, from what your heritage is at home, I'm not saying that my grandmother spoke broken English. My mother would speak to her in Ukrainian and English, what have you. But we walked out of the door. We were Americans. We spoke English. No one, ex- no one expected that. And another thing is that you have people who came to this country, all right, and they say, oh, in my country, in my country. Well, my wife tells them and I tell them, my country, you mean America, the one that's giving you an education, the one that's giving you a job, the one that's giving you medical care, one that's giving you the give it so we're we're catering to these people and we're losing our sovereignty doing it and that is a major major problem the america was built upon immigrants but the immigrants did not forget their heritage did not forget their language did not forget their their customs their food all right but they came here and they were Americans or they were Canadians. Half of my family ended up in Canada, all right? So a lot of Ukrainians ended up going to Canada, all right? So the next thing is empty interstates. When they built the interstate systems, I used to love the interstates. It was so wonderful. Today, the interstates are like a traffic jam. I hate the interstates. Every exit is the same thing. Everybody on there is from... It's just terrible. What happened to the interstates in the past 30 years is unbelievable. As, As early as 1991... You could go cross country. You could go out to Montana. I'm not. Well, let's say not me saying that. Yes, you go out to Montana, obviously, but in Wyoming, in 1991, all right, on I-80, there's well, it's hopefully it's still there. Haven't been that way for a long time. There's a tree that grew out of out of the rock. All right, you could actually sit in the middle of Route 80 in 1991. I mean, I wouldn't say you can sit there for five hours, but you could sit there. All right, that. 
now it's terrible. Zoom, 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 zoom. You can't go through Wyoming. You can't go through Montana. You can't go through Idaho, New Mexico, all of these states, all right, that there's all billboards on the interstate. There's 10 million cars going, all right? It's unbelievable. It's terrible. And that's why I stay off the interstates now. It's like uh, I, I, I avoid it like root canal. No urban sprawl. Years ago, the city limit was the city limit. You crossed over to the city limit. You were in farm country. This urban sprawl is just going on and on and on. And the land that we're losing is never, ever coming back. All right? The auto parts store with a person who knew what they were talking about. You go into an auto parts store today, you have somebody who last week worked in a shoe store, and all they know how to do is punch stuff, year making model, year making model, and you tell a guy, well, I want this, or I want that, or I want a, I want a, a, a 194 bulb, year making model. I said, it's a 194 bulb. What do you mean, year making model? Year making model, I got to look it up in year making, uh, uh, terrible. When you go someplace, they, but you know, an auto parts store, you go to an implement dealer, all right? The thing is that I, I want somebody who knows, I don't care if they're 16 years old, but they have to know it. And it, whether you're 16 or 60, it makes no difference, but you need to know what you're talking about. I don't want to hear year, make, and model, all right? The next thing is that being able to talk to a company. You can't get a hold of anybody. It's all leave a message, voicemail, go online, let's have a chat. No, I don't want to have a chat with you. I have a question about my phone bill. I want to have a question about this. All right, I don't want to have a chat. I don't want to go online and go digitally and have a chat and, and talk to some robot or something like that. You have no problem taking my money. I want to talk to a human being. All right. I want real milk and meat. And this is no disrespect to somebody who raises soybeans or almonds or what have you. And if there's a, and, and I'm not going to deny that there's a market for that for somebody who has who is allergic to dairy products or what have you. But I don't want make-believe hamburger. I don't want make-believe steak. And I don't want make-believe milk. All right? I don't want make-believe cheese. I, you know, I want real milk. I want real meat, all right? Wooden grain elevators. The West and specifically the Canadian prairies, I was always in, and still am in, in awe. I'm in awe of grain elevators, but specifically the majesty of a wooden grain elevator. And there's not many, sadly, left in the United States that I know of. I know there's some in the Western Canadian prairies and I just love, there is just something so real, so organic about a wooden grain elevator. And they always had the name painted on it and the town. I remember as a young boy going out west in, with my parents in Montana and Wyoming and Colorado. And I remember seeing my first wooden grain elevator. I think it was in Wyoming as a little kid. I had never seen anything like it in my life. It's, it's, it's wonderful. And I'm not saying that I don't like the concrete grain elevators, but they, they're huge and they're spectacular, but they just don't have that feeling of a wooden grain elevator. Dirt roads. Now, for many of you who are listening to this, a dirt road may be nothing that is a lost treasure. But in in New Jersey, and, I, and our road, Cat Swamp Road, was a one-lane dirt road until 1977. 
and I miss that to no end. And the, this area of New Jersey was full of dirt roads. Southern New Jersey, you got 20 or 30 miles outside of New York City, Philadelphia, there were dirt roads. And I don't mean a dirt lane going into somebody's place or a dirt road going into a, a dead-end road into a state park. I'm talking about dirt roads that were through roads. And the thing is that there is not a dirt road left in New Jersey that is not on a private property or into, a, into some sort of state park or preserved land. But the the... If you live on a dirt road, and I know a lot of you do, forget about the dust. Forget about it. It is a treasure. And whenever I travel so many times, I will stop and park the car, and I will just walk down the dirt road because that is something that is a part that I've always loved the dirt road. In other parts of the country, they call them gravel roads. Back east, we call them dirt roads. Okay, new car introduction secrecy. Back then, it was such a, it was so exciting. A new car was coming out. A new model year was coming out. You'd ride by a showroom in our little podunk town. There would be a new car covered up with a, they would bring it in in a secrecy of night, and they would cover it up with a sheet or with a, well, I guess it was a sheet or something, I don't know what they had. But anyway, they didn't have real car covers back then. It would be, and it would say 1972 Oldsmobile debuted, right? You went to they, a new farm track that came out. There was a Ballyhoo. There was a, there was, it was so exciting. You were, the car magazines, the farm magazines, but specifically the car magazines, the August, September, and October of, of all the car magazines. And there was a new car introduction was once a year. It was a fall introduction. Not, okay, well, it's, I keep saying forget about it. There was such a, a, a excitement about it. All right, uh, go, wow, wow, they took the cover off that car. They took the cover off of that farm tractor. And, you know, the dealership would invite you. The whole town was invited. You you could have been a Ford guy. A Chevy dealer was happy to see you. could have been a, a Massey Ferguson guy. The Ford dealer or the John Deere dealer was happy to see you to show the new the new model. There was, there was, I remember seeing that stuff and it was, it was something to aspire to. It was in awe, in awe and getting the magazines and talking about the, and it wasn't talking about the uh, connectivity. It was talking about the real aspects of either the machine, the car, the truck, the farm tractor, about the engine, not about, oh, you could hook up your satellite to this. Okay brochures not file pdfs as a kid i used to go my father take me to the car dealers and i'd be able to get a brochure i still have brochures from the 70s from from semi-truck dealers from peterbilt from farm tractors you'd go to the farm track we go to the oliver dealer we go to the ford dealer we go to the john deere dealer all right over here and these were all 10 miles from the farm and i'd be able to get i get a brochure for a farm tractor for a combine for a for a piece of tillage equipment and they were beautifully printed and i would take them home and i would read them and i would i would cherish them and i would dream about oh i'm gonna buy this tractor one day i'm gonna buy this car one day i'm gonna buy this truck i want this plow i remember the first time i saw a, a bro had a brochure for a rollover plow I, this was the most fantastic thing in the world and they were beautiful photography they were beautifully printed and getting back to my earlier complaint or or, or, or 
saying I missed advertising, that the advertising, it was written to you. It spoke, it even spoke to a young boy's heart, all right? It made me want to see this, to want to, to want to have it one day. All righty. Uh, shopping on Main Street and not in the mall or online, all right? I mean, to, to build a relationship with a, with a store owner or a shop owner, a dealership or what have you, the supermarket, the butcher shop, the feed store, that was such a treasure. Not going on Amazon.com or going to the mall or having a big box store that the person could never care whether you came back there again. Is that There used to be, a, a in, in Hope, New Jersey, there was a plumbing supply store. Dick's Direct Plumbing Supply, and he lived over the plumbing supply store. And Hope, New Jersey is this little hamlet still today. And you could call, I don't know what his last name was, I remember, I'll call him Mr. Dick. You would call him up at 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday night, and and he'll answer the phone, and he'll say to him, I have a problem with my well pump, I have a problem with this. And he'll say, okay, where are you in Alamoochee? He says, I have that part. He says, I'll, I'll meet you downstairs in 20 minutes and you'd come and hope was dark as could be there was no street lights he says i'll leave the door ajar and he had one light on it was an old wooden hardware store plumbing supply store wooden floor they always had that nice nice odor in them it wasn't odor a nice scent in them and he'd say okay you need this diaphragm and he'd say it was whatever two dollars whatever i'm not talking about saying that prices should be as they were in 1960 but it was the service. It was the able to fix things that the that the person knew you were in a bind, and also you respected him. You respected the person that if it was something that could wait till the morning, you didn't wake him up at eleven o'clock at night to get something. Oh, my kitchen sinks. Oh, we need to wash. I want to come down and get it because I'm on a night shift. There was this mutual respect, which goes back to the first thing I spoke about. All right, uh, home cooking. We'll leave it at that, okay? Like many of you, I grew up with with a mother that made everything from scratch, all right? And the only thing that we ever got outside, and I'm not, not knocking someone, I the aspects of life is different, all right? But was we'd get a pizza from a pizza place, and the only other time we ate out was on when we traveled because you, and and if it was a day trip we brought food with us but if we went cross country a couple of states and obviously you at the but home cooking there's do so many people today do not know what a home cooked meal is and that is sad all right the next thing is walking the crops walking the crops to pull weeds out you know people talk about gmo and pesticides and all herbicides and and the thing basically is we happen to raise a non-gmo corn but that doesn't mean i'm against it but you know people want this but say come on bring your son and daughter let's walk the crops i was walking crops we're going to go there when we see a weed we're going to pull the weed out we're going to have a hoe with us i'm going to cut the weed off it and we're going to pull the weed out all right well i'm not going to have my kid do that well, we hand pick our corn, we hand harvest, and there's nothing like walking a field. And, and you know, those of you who grew up know what it's like. A lot of people call it specifically with soybeans, walking the beans. But we used to walk corn. We used to walk everything. My mother used to walk onions. 
and walk celery and walk lettuce, but didn't even walk it and did it on her hands and knees, and as as her brothers and a whole family did on the farm. All right, rope start lawn tractors. Years ago, even a lawn tractor had a rope start. There was a no electric start. And on the early, early rope start engines, you didn't even keep the rope on there. You would tie the rope around the pulley, and when you would give it a pull, and when she started, the rope would come off, and you would wrap it up and stick it in your pocket with the handle. And then later on, they had to recoil. So I'll even say, I'll be happy with a rope start lawn tractor. I doesn't have to and let it have the recoil. But you look at old lawn tractors and old engines on rototillers and things like that. There was no recoil. You learned how to wrap the rope around a certain way. And then I just hit the microphone and almost knocked it over. And then when you when you pulled it, the rope came off and you had the engine running. And if it didn't start, you wrapped the rope around again. Okay. Chainsaw blades that last. You buy a chainsaw blade today, forget about it. You look at it and it goes dull. I don't care whether you buy steel, buy whatever. Our first chainsaw was a 1975 McCullough Pro Mac 1010A. I was a kid. I used to run that saw into the... My father said, cut it lower, Butchie, cut it lower, cut it, cut that tree lower near the dirt. All right? I used to hit rocks with it. All right? Sparks would fly. I used to run that thing into the dirt. I think we had that 10 years before we sharpened it. And that and that, that McCullough Pro Mac 1010A weighed like 9 zillion pounds, and it sounded like an NHRA pro stock. All right? And the thing is that you today, when my I have steel, forget about it. I mean, I carry it over a rock or something near the dirt, and the thing goes goes dull, all right? That that old McCullough chainsaw and those old blades, I mean, you could brutalize them, and that thing would just cut right through everything like nothing whatsoever, all right? A company in business that honors my trust and me spending money with them. I miss that to no end, all right? is that somebody who respects and honors me choosing, and me meaning you, choosing to do business, doing business with them. And specifically, even years ago, there was many places you could spend your money, and it, and but you went to the person that had the respect, that gave you the respect and honor of you spending your hard-earned money with them. Whether, you know, I love this like with the cell phones. I was with Verizon for 25, 20 years, and I got sick of them, and I moved to consumer cellular. And then they would never take my phone calls. They would jerk. It was, it was a nightmare. And now they keep sending me emails. We want you back. We'll give you $400 towards a new phone. We'll give you this. Too late now, buddy. All right? You had 20 years to do business with me, and then you treated me like a piece of garbage. And now that I'm gone, you want me back. Well, too late. All right? Loving America, and I will close with that. And if, and I'm saying that as an as an American citizen, as a patriotic American. If you are a Canadian, you should love Canada. If you are a German, you should love Germany. If and like I say, we have listeners in 90 countries around the world. And if you, if that country is where you live, that country is giving you an education, that country is giving you food, my concern is for America because I am an American, all right? 
but you should love your country and you should love and every American should love America. That doesn't mean that you don't see the things that are wrong in your country. That doesn't mean that you don't say that there's no injustices in your country, that there's nothing that could be made better. But if you connect loving America with the first thing which is on my list, all right, which is respect, and the second thing that is prayer, then we would have a world that does not have me lamenting over the things that are no more, but me saying that there's nothing to talk about because all of the things that I listed still exist. So I know that this was a different type of show, and I asked you to please share the things that you lament over, and I know that some of them are a reach, that you may say, well, break a point for a pain in the neck or greasable ball joints for a pain in the neck or what have you, but collectively, this meant to be a metaphor for a simpler time that was much, much better than it is today. But we live in today's time, and as a Christian, right, the scriptures tell us that we live in this world, but we are not of this world. So I went very, very long, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in and for letting the hot rod farmer rant and rave. And next week, it will be a normal type of show. But please let me know and know that I'm pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher, my beloved America. You have a blessed day, and I'll catch you next week. Bye-bye.